Hey, out there. This is Greg Colossal. And welcome to the New World Podcast. Ten months ago, in March of 2020, I said, we are now in a new world. And ten months later, I know I'm right. We know I'm right. Got a fresh mask on, staying home scared, staying alive, staying away from COVID. Did you shut your business down too? Let's talk about all of that. The new world is real, ladies and gentlemen, but you have to welcome it and embrace it. It's not easy, but it's here to stay. All right. That's some of them organ grooves. I like organ sounds. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm Greg Colossal, and you're here on another episode, another podcast of the New World. Uh, we here at the New World, we, right now it's just me hanging out on this uh snowy snowy day we're ripping up the truth man we're gonna rip up the truth the truth stirs up a lot of hurt a lot of anger a lot of problems but really what else is there to talk about you know i mean mainstream media has that covered we don't you don't need any more talking heads you know coming at you so we're just gonna open up your hearts a little bit and get you wondering if, if what you're thinking, seeing, and feeling is real, making sense. You know, if you live to uh, the, average age, the average age of man, which is 78.8 years, that means you're granted like 20, I think maybe 24,700 days on the planet. Maybe 28,000. I always get the math wrong. But, you know, every day you wake up and go to sleep and wake up and go to sleep, another day has passed. And they are not promised. So live inside of your best self. Live inside of the truth. Try to handle all the negativity that comes when you, I don't know, stay away from lies. Stay away from the dark stuff because that stuff weighs heavy and it clouds your creative brain. It clouds your power brain. It clouds your loving brain. And it brings you into a primordial, primal, very simple life of survival. So stay away from it. Today on our show, we're going to be talking about just one thing. And I'm going to do a show. I don't know if I'll get through an hour on each one, but each, each drug, okay, each American drug has an impact on people. So what I've decided to do based on my life experience, you know, I've been around the block. I haven't used a lot of drugs myself. Um... I definitely have come into contact with marijuana, especially for treatment of Lyme disease, and in my early 20s and in, high, um, in college, alcohol, like the almost everybody in America, and pretty much that's about it. I didn't really experiment or handle any, anything else, so I'm going to be talking about every single drug that I'm aware of, at least, I think about every single one, at least the main ones, from the viewpoint of loving and caring about people who are um, completely absorbed by this drug. So what happens if you're 
if you're primarily sober, you know, that's what I always say about myself. I'm primarily sober. Um, you can fall in love and be close with and be friends with and work with, work for um, all kinds of people, right? And then what happens is when you realize that this person is uh, consistently and continuously using, let's again, down to one drug, right? One thing. And we're going to open that door to not just drugs because it's not really just about a, a chemical, although it impacts you. It's about a habit, right? But for now, what I'm trying to get you to aware of is we're going to just we're going to try to help people out there by putting only one one name on top of the podcast. And this one is called alcohol. Okay, so let's open the door to alcohol. Ladies and gentlemen, before we go on, I want you to know that I have no no problems or judgment or disdain. I don't want anyone to feel hurt or anyone to think that there's something wrong with them. It doesn't matter how fascinated how you are with alcohol. Maybe it's caused you a problem. Maybe it's destroyed your life, enhanced your life. I, I, I can't speak for you. Um, I, I spent time uh, swimming in alcohol uh, for a long time, probably uh, I would say I don't know, ten over ten years, um, and but I knew right away that this machine was real dangerous, and we're gonna get into all that. So on today's episode, uh, we're going to probably we're gonna probably well let's just say it, man. We're we're gonna piss a few people off. I know, I know, I know. Calm down, calm down. This isn't to make you feel bad. I'm not trying to hurt anybody's feelings. I just think that we should start stripping away some of the tr- uh, some of the the, the bold faced lies and some of the real aggressive um, cover up because of alcohol's popularity, right? So all I'm trying to do is is uh, you know your life choices are none of my business. Mine are none of your business. But I'll tell you when we meet on the road, when we meet in the common area, when we are connected. For either choices that we we choose, like being in a relationship together, even a marriage, or if we're working together, if we're forced in some situation, I want to blame or at least show you what I've seen and studied uh, for a long time about alcohol, okay? And again, remember, I'm going to try to do a, a podcast about each drug. So the next one's definitely going to be weed, and then I'm going to try to go into maybe cocaine, which would also be crack, Um and then I'll try to, I might get into a broad thing like hallucinogens. And I don't know how many more I can really speak on that are um, that, uh, very confidently. Maybe crystal meth. Uh, but after that, I probably would need some guests and some help who can uh, kind of expand on the problems and the, and the good things, actually, that have come from their usage. Because there is, believe it or not, there are good things that come from uh, expanding your mind and opening, the dif- opening different channels of your mind using certain... Um, products you know, I should say products it's stuff from the earth so that's not a popular opinion so I got to be careful saying that but I will um, back it all up eventually when we get to each and every drug so ladies and gentlemen let's start right out with the new world's version of awareness of alcohol happy hour who doesn't like happy hour Right. Uh, there's a reason why they call it that, right? Happy hour. I mean, it's supposed to be a monumental moment. And they're always on, usually they used to just be on Fridays, sometimes on Thursdays when the average work week was ending. And remember, folks, um, alcohol is, 
Well, let, let's talk a little bit about it. Let's understand a little bit about it. I may not be able to break down the science. I don't have computers up, and I'm not going to read stuff to you. Perhaps I should. But let's just talk about what we know about alcohol. Well, um, in your youth, uh, alcohol is something that is mysterious. It's brought out uh, at dinner time. If parents have it out, it seems to be only allowed to be used by adults. Right there, that creates an us and them. That creates an interest, right? Ooh, what, what is mom doing? And we notice, maybe as a young person, that the alcohol is surrounded. It's celebrated. It's in the center of the table. The bottle of wine is passed around. The handful of beers, it comes out at the same time. It's like uh, the way that food is handled in a way. So it does have this group celebratory feeling. And again, as a little person, it might be mysterious. And then you might notice that as the hours go on and the consumption of alcohol continues with the adults, there is a louder banter. There are less inhibitions. The party might just be getting started or getting going. And you start to realize maybe, maybe if you're in, you know, six, eight, ten years old, you might start to realize that it's the alcohol that has changed some of the personalities of the adults around you, including your own parents. Right. So you're a little person and you're like, oh, and then mom is conservative at six o'clock and she is saying crazy stuff at 10 o'clock. Um, dad is angry after work at six o'clock and he's laughing like a monkey by 10 o'clock. And these are just observations you make as a little person. And, uh, you know, if they're doing their job, they're really not giving you alcohol. You're not drinking it to, sh- to feel the same way, hopefully. But, you know, kids, you know, that doesn't always happen. And so you start to become fascinated with this party that unfolds in front of you, maybe every night, maybe just on the weekends. And their um, their assertion that it's not for children, this is not for you. Maybe they gave you a sip of wine or something like that. So right away in our youth, alcohol is brought out as this party, as this serum, as something that seems pretty pretty cool, right? It's pretty different than everything else. And it's... Um, it's a loose, uh, not a loose, it's, ah, what's the word? Darn it, I can't find the word. I'm not going to say it's elusive. It's very special. It's like this special thing, right? Adults only, et cetera. So now as you then, you, then you start to watch television, especially in the 80s. Let me tell you, if you're a Gen Xer or a boomer, you're going to know exactly what I meant or mean. Um, there were commercials, like the day is long, about every alcohol product there is, especially beer. There were songs, there were catchy songs. Here's to good time. Tonight is kind of special. You know, there was there was so many songs about beer and drinking that in your youth you're going to see this on the big screen. You're going to remember your parents and here I go here I go again making sure you understand that we have been a little bit programmed, right? Now, then you start to you're starting to look around town and I'll use uh, the northeast we have liquor stores. So we have so many liquor stores. We even call them package stores. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to assume I know what that means because there was a time when the, uh, alcohol was illegal, definitely frowned upon, where you had to go to a place and get the package. Did you get the package? I got the package. Okay. Now, look, it's not judgment on humans. You have to understand that humans are, are naturally going to want to escape reality. That's that's what we do. This is hard living. So it again, every time I talk about this, I'm not trying to trigger you or get you upset or um, come down on somebody. P- please try to um, 
keep those reactions out because I, I would never want to hurt anybody. I, I don't know. I just want to kind of get you a glance at the power of our country's um, uh, uh, fixation on alcohol. So now, again, so you got your parents, you got the parties, it seems to be fun, you got the commercials, you're under 10 years old, and alcohol is, whoa, it's this thing that one day you will get. Just like a car, you will get this, you will get that, and you will get alcohol. So there is this uh, coolness about it, right? Now, now I'll use my experience. If you're like 11, 12, 13, and your interest is getting really peaked. I mean, in the 80s, we, we would definitely experiment um, stealing a beer here and there and like running into the woods, right? I don't think we were truly buying cases of beer and getting drunk, but we were fascinated with the fact that we, it was wrong, right? Everything that's wrong becomes fascinating to a kid. So I remember, uh, man, I don't remember clearly, but definitely having a hot beer, like stealing a beer and then keeping it and then going with my friends into the woods and then drinking it hot as a tea, finding it to be disgusting, not even understanding if I was altered at all, and uh, thinking, wow, this is weird. This did not feel like all the commercials. I think the next step was a bottle of schnapps maybe. Somebody had some real gross alcohol that you could easily take from your parents because not even they are drinking it. And then we end up, again, in the woods, and maybe we're 14, 15, 16. I, I honestly don't remember. But we are definitely young, and we are trying to see what it's like to be an adult. And so here we go. We drink the schnapps, and we, we sip it and pass it around. Now, we're only, we know it's gross. Our mouths and our faces, we want to puke this stuff out. And here's the irony of alcohol. This is, I love this about human nature. It's irony of a lot of things. If we, if we were to tell the truth, the real truth, the total real truth about what we, what we think about flavor and taste, a child would, would help you understand your truth. When you first drink a beer, take a shot of vodka, drink maybe, maybe not wine, but even wine, anything with alcohol in it, it's absolutely disgusting it is disgusting right right mm -hmm. now we don't like to admit that right because the, the adult brain is so in need of an escape and we love social norms and being connected that we slowly kind of tell ourselves it's delicious <laughs> i remember doing that like i'm like this isn't delicious like, this is not delicious this is freaking gross in fact, like if you had a soda, if you have a cold can of Coke, right, and you have a cold, I don't know, bush beer, it takes a quite a few attempts to make yourself believe that the cold bush is as refreshing and good and tasty and fun to drink as the Coke is. Don't tell me any, anybody out there who tells you differently is lying. Very few people ingest alcohol for the first time and think they're in heaven with flavor. I mean... Have you had tequila? Come on. So, again, if you, if you put this all in perspective, I'm going to try to show you the power of society, the power of, of American uh, marketing, and the power of wanting to find relief from this world, okay? The other thing I'll compare it to is coffee. Again, use a child. You ingest coffee, and you actually go, oh, my God, this is disgusting. If you were me, you had an Italian father who gave you espresso, 
So now you have espresso and you think your mouth is going to fall apart and your tongue's going to come out because it is disgusting. But because we're human and we like the zip of the stimulant, we're going to continue to try to ingest it and like it. And then soon, sooner rather than later, because of the feelings that they give us, the alcohol gives us drunkenness and the coffee gives us a buzz, we now have lied to ourselves and enjoy the flavor. This is exactly what happens in abusive situations. This is what happens when you're terrorized, but then you start to welcome it. You know, if you get slapped every day on your back, all of a sudden on the 20th day, you miss getting slapped on your back. You see, so it's okay. This is the human condition, but at least admit it. Now, if you understand that, so I'm trying to be kind to us. You see, we got to be kind to ourselves. We don't need to be so hard on ourselves. Now you get older, okay? And alcohol is playing a big role in society, in socially, uh, social norms. Sometimes you'll meet a girl and you start dating 18, 20, 22. Now you're in that adult level dating. You're having sex. Uh, maybe uh, you're, you're sexually interested. You're, you're really deeply invested in the other gender and for good reason. But what happens most of the time in these years is that alcohol is around, so you are dating, you're getting, you're going to dinner and somebody's having alcohol. You're going to a party at college and there's a lot of alcohol. Everywhere you go with these girls or boys, there is alcohol, okay? And that can, ha that can happen starting from the age of 16 at like high school parties, maybe even 15. And that'll carry all the way through to 22, 25 years old if you're in college or um, getting a, mat you know, whatever you're doing. So that's like a 10-year span of time where love, interest, and relationships, happiness, joy, partying, fun, and all that are associated heavily with alcohol. You see what I'm getting at? So now you're 25, and alcohol has been flowing in your life as if it's just as regular as Coca-Cola. And it's nothing. There's no judgment there. That's Everyone's right. If you were crazy enough to, uh, when you were under 21, you had a fake ID so that you could actively engage in alcohol when it was illegal because uh, in my state, you had to be 21. These are all different, like that's a crime. I, I think, I don't know if it's a felony, but you know, we're all actively engaging in crime, right? A fake ID in order to get alcohol and be part of alcohol's world. I mean, it's, it's just unbelievable. And then you look and you realize there's a liquor store Almost every, it's definitely every half mile or more or less, there's liquors everywhere. The, there's neon signs and there's commercials and jingles and girls are in bathing suits. And there's even icons. There's like icons, like we had Scooby-Doo, right? There's like uh, beer icons and, and what do you call them? Characters and, um, oh man, the name was escaping me. So, 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 you know, this is what happens to us before 25, now, an average human is frail, is naturally not able to really uh, handle a lot, right? We're just people. And then we end up wondering and what's happening to us as we go from our mid-20s to our 30s, maybe into our mid-30s. We could have, all, by 35, we could have already been going on a 20-year fascination with alcohol. If at 15 we started it with a little playful experiment, by 35... You know, you could have already had kids. 35, you could be president of the United States. Alcohol is so ingrained into your life and into society that you are 
not going to go out without seeing it, smelling it, or, or having it offered to you. Now, once you understand that and can just respect it, that's probably how it is for many people in America, might even say the world, at least first world countries. That's why I want you to be more gentle with yourself, more real with yourself, and more sympathetic for the people around us whose lives can become undone because of alcohol, okay? And here again, I'm going to show you what I'm talking about. Let's look at alcohol as a, um, as a drug. Now, we're going to break it down. It's very simple. Fermented fruit, right? Um, to take um, a fruit, in a sense, or an, an, a barley, or that's not the right word. It's to take a um, nature's earth, a plant, some plant, and to uh, basically, I don't know how to say it, like, get it so that it ferments, and the fermenting process creates alcohol, and that alcohol is ingested. It's been ingested for a long time. Now, that alcohol, the reason why we become drunk, this is, this is where the phenomena needs a little bit of tweaking right here. The reason why we become drunk, as good or as bad as it feels, is because it is a toxic reaction to the alcohol. It is an allergy. Drunkenness is our allergic reaction to fermented ingredients. It's what, it's what happens to our bodies to tell us, you want to eat that fruit fresh, if you eat that fruit, that food, uh, that sorry, if you eat that fruit over a prolonged time and it's rotten, and it's become fermented, you will get these symptoms, and it will it can actually kill you. So the body's natural fight and response to alcohol is to make sure it makes us so dizzy, nauseous, sick, and uncomfortable that we don't ingest it. Just like poison ivy makes us incredibly itchy, so that we don't rub it on our bodies. And that is the irony of the human spirit. Huh. Can you imagine that? Now, this, again, will be across the board for almost all drugs. But alcohol is a phenomenon to me, you know. It's, uh, as I got older, alcohol is a detractor. It totally, you know, listen how much I can talk. I don't need any social lubrication. <laughs> I walk into a room and I'm, I'm loving everybody. I don't. I don't want any any assistance anymore, you know, but it's okay for people that enjoy it. And it, and it, it's considered, you know, the, the crazy thing that people don't understand sometimes about alcohol is that it's considered uh, basically uh, a, a depressant. <laughs> well, I don't, I don't know what's so funny about that, but. But it's not a depressant as in uh, like how you think, right? Like people think when they take a depressant, they become depressed. They go down. They are sad. No, 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 no. It's a depressant, meaning that it depresses your inhibitions. What? It depresses your inhibitions. That means it gives you almost like a courage to say, do, believe, see, and all these other things that you may not do without the chemical running through you. By depressing your inhibitions, it also can increase some truth-telling, right? Now, this is, this is the dangerous slope that I don't like to live in. I stopped living there. But it, a lot of people I love do. You know, I love these people, but they live in this. So 
um, they, you have a relationship with someone and it's pretty mild and kind of uh, guarded. And then when they drink, oh my God, they are they are unbelievable, right? Maybe they're the life of the party. Maybe they, they're crazy, mean, and nasty. Maybe they're whatever. They can become a lot of things. So that is the power of alcohol's um, use repetitively. Now, when you're, this is the dangerous part. I think this is why I've been feeling so adamant about making these podcasts about each and every drug. Is it awful to be around someone that you love who, um, when you're not drinking, is... Um, whatever you want to call it, mild-mannered, maybe appropriate and kind and blends in or fits in and is, is a great friend. And then when the drinking is on and really on, they become loose cannons, maybe liabilities, maybe they're really fun, really fun, maybe they're really angry or nasty. So in this world of going back and forth, this is why a long time ago they called alcohol spirits. You see, if you, if you respect alcohol or actually respect yourself, you'll know that your measly little body with your measly little muscles and organs, upon ingesting this toxic juice, right? And again, I'm, I'm a hypocrite. I drink wine. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not trying to deface alcohol. I'm trying to show you another way to understand how to handle when life is throwing big hardballs at you. You know what I mean? You can you can have you can be you can live in duality. You can understand that alcohol is a fierce, a fierce and powerful drug, and you can ingest it free with your free will and not have to fall victim to it. You can do both. That is awesome when you can. So back again, when 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 your loved one becomes let let's say at twenty five, she's a lot cooler. He's a lot cooler when he drinks. At thirty five, he's kind of he's not saying as much. He's starting to have opinions, but by forty five. Okay, with 20 years or 25 years of um, excessively drinking, maybe even more, excessively relying on the on the liquor for a feeling of comfort. What that number is, is none of my business. Is it three to five beers every single night for 25 years? Whatever that is, is it 10 to 12 on the weekends? I don't know. One day I'll reveal my consumption. My consumption was insane in my early 20s. Which is why I stopped, because I knew, I said, whoa, oh my God, this is going to kill me. This will kill me. My little party life is going to kill me. Now, I'm bringing this all up to you because I feel as though many of us love and live and suffer and get devoured, often by people who have alcohol in their tool belt, if you know what I mean. And you don't have to. You don't have to if you can come at it from this way that I'm kind of helping you see. But ladies and gentlemen, one thing that we need to agree on, see, when you if you ever get mental health help, if you go to a place and you're like, uh, I have depression or I'm sad or I have anxiety and I need some help and they start to help you, and maybe they uh, you go in on a regular basis, you're going to notice that the clinics, the areas of the uh, hospital or the uh, whatever you call it, the I don't know, uh, the, 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 the nursing area. I'm embarrassed. I don't have a word for this. In other words, uh, the institute that you're going into is ready to help you with anxiety and depression, uh, bipolarity, schizophrenia, and all of the borderline personalities and narcissistic personality and all of the plethora of mental health issues. And 
they lie right side by side with addiction and usage of chemicals. To show you what I'm what I mean is that often we will hide some of the characteristics of a of a hurting brain. Let's just call it that. I, I hate mental illness. I think this is a term that is not going to really fit well. But your your brain is hurting. It's suffering just like your body might if you if you fall down a flight of steps. And you end up in the world of usage to hide from the emotional trauma or the emotional pain that you saw as a child, and you go back and forth between this world. Well, that's why in in the medical world, they put addiction in the same room, in, in essence, as mental health. Ironically, they don't put it in like a poisoning area or in a triage. They don't want to suggest that because you've consumed something. Like if I consume Drano, they don't, they're going to put me in a situation where they could pump my stomach and save me from the poison that I ingested. But if I ingest uh, 150 proof uh, rum, they're going to put me in a mental health place. You see what I'm saying? So this is, this is okay. I'm just trying to show you all of the hypocrisy, right? Now, again, the same country is selling it. There's commercials. And when you look at all this, you have to realize, like, it's a power that's greater than ourselves. It really is. I believe that might even be uh, in, a, in the step program of, of, of AA. Like, like, have mercy on yourself. You know what I'm saying? And so when you choose to keep alcohol in your life and it actually begins to almost take over your life because it can, you know, especially, you know what, a lot of people don't want to say it, but girls are so susceptible to drinking and having it um, <clears throat> end up in their lives on the regular for lots of reasons that no one, again, talks about because of maybe, I don't know, sexism or whatever that is. But having less muscle mass and often being smaller, you know, means that the chemical uh, comes in like a storm, you know, and it affects them immediately, much different, much differently than it does a larger male in a sense. And it also, in the female brain is affected. I almost want, this is horrible to say, God, I don't know. I, I might get some, some lashback at this, but I noticed that it affects the female brain in a more positive way in the early days. They have a more, something they like about it, <clears throat> I think because the female might be more agreeable in essence than the male, that's actually proven, I think it makes them almost feel very like angelic or like really good. I think girls feel really good a lot from alcohol, different than a guy feels. And I think when you carry this joy into your adult life and this usage, that when you are of a small frame and when the when the toxicity has very few places to go or energy, you know, into your body because you're smaller in a sense with less muscle mass, it it I think has more of an impact on your brain. Um, not to say that I can prove this. I'm just telling you that life experiences have shown me these kind of things in my life now that I'm almost, you know, I'm in mid forties. So um <clears throat> when girls drink a lot throughout their life when they get into the middle of their life, they have they change a great deal. The alcohol, the dependence on the alcohol takes away, and I'll go into the male next, it takes away that which is some of the most empowering attributes of the female. Now, uh, I mean by nature, <clears throat> it does take away um, some of their 
gentleness. Oh boy, this is all gonna get me in trouble. <sighs> I don't know. I'm just gonna say it. I, I I don't have any hate for anybody, but I don't want to be scared to speak freely. Okay. The the liquor in, in after twenty to thirty years of of a lot of consumption, it takes away that which makes them more appealing than males to uh, the world, meaning their nurturing-ishness, their uh, gentleness, their open-mindedness, their agreeableness, their um, tendency to not invent a lot of or, or, or um, fuel conflict, their, the way they can forgive differently than a male in a lot of ways. It, it removes a lot of that. And I believe, hence why they call it spirits, that it replaces um, those things that I just listed with almost a venomous uh, opposite effect, um, the rage and the anger and all that. And it, and it comes in a wave. And then what happens, <clears throat> because we, we tend to put girls and women in this uh, bubble of niceness, which isn't fair to them, now they're really storming because they don't want you to call them out on all this stuff I just said. It's not nice. And there's a chemical controlling them that is almost out of their control. And it's a, an action and a repeated action that makes them feel good, so they have the right to do it. And, and here's the spiral. Here's the ball of fire that causes the grief for so many people. Now, again, the male, I could do it for the male as well. The male loses his ability to laugh. He loses his um, ingenuity in a way. It darkens his edges and causes him to believe in less possibilities. His, um, <clears throat> he, he makes his life smaller so that it can exist and he doesn't need to take risk. It, um, it could also fuel the other side. He could become a dynamite, explosive, violent, hostile, ready to fight all the time. So, um, so it takes away the, uh, the fatherness, right? The, uh, the, 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 the patriarchal um, uh, overseeing of humanity because it clouds his natural judgment, just like it does a female. So th these are the phenomenons of alcohol, and these are the um, you know these are the things that we we decide to play with when we when we drink. Um, I'm like I said, I, I don't call myself an alcoholic. I wasn't ever an alcoholic, but I am related to many, and I've loved many. And all I've learned was like, damn, damn, th why why when we're together? No matter what we do, no matter where we go, no matter if we just want to go to the beach or just go to Frank's house, why is it that there's going to be a quick stop, a sixer in the car, a quick guzzle of this? Because we've used it to cushion society or and or you could say the addiction, right? So it got it gets, you know, it's like a controlling thing. I don't want to live with your in-laws or my, your parents either. Right, so when we go, we want to go uh, get romantic in the bedroom. You think I want to ask your mom if I'm 45 if I could go upstairs and kiss her daughter? You know what I mean? Like, uh, don't tread on me. Keep me away from controlling things so that I'm free. But again, none of this is planned, you know. And families pass it on and pass it on. <clears throat> on half of my family, it's very, very passed on. And the other half, we're so poor. <laughs> we're so poor and. Like there were, you can we couldn't buy alcohol. We couldn't even have we didn't have food. There was no alcohol. We just wanted to make sure we had food. So there, you know, and then and and what is it? <clears throat> I'm not judging it. I've got demons that will come out of a closet and eat everybody. 
I'm not better than you. But I do want to tell you that if you ever feel like alcohol is destroying your life or over overwhelming your life, let me tell you what it's like to um to love you, okay? So I'm an innocent guy. I love you. I don't uh, I'm going to just call you my I'll call you my wife. Uh this is not a true story, so don't dig into it. We met when we're 20. We get, you know, you inspire me. I marry you at 30. We build a life together. La da 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 da. I noticed that by 40, you continue to drink uh, every night, just a little bit of wine. There's a lot of wine. And, and we're going through some money and we're going through some wine. And you don't seem to be very nice anymore after 8 o'clock. And then it starts at 6 o'clock. It's uh, all day on Saturday, all day Sunday. You're still making 150000 a year, and everybody at work thinks you're amazing, and I think you're amazing. But I am watching you, and I'm watching this person who used to be 100% around is about 60 and then 50, and then pretty soon she's like 30% around. Now, <clears throat> again, leaving all of the social norms out, you have an addiction. This is a power you can't control. I'm trying to tell you the point of view from people that love you, okay? You go out and you... Uh, you you do some stupid decisions and you you uh, jeopardize the life of a family of four, okay? A single mom working three jobs, has her babies in the car. Her husband left her for another woman and he did some bad things and she's struggling. And, and here she is coming home. She just picked up her kids. She made uh, She's going to be clear about $80 that day because she had to pay for daycare. Her car is on its last leg. And, and, here, and here she goes. Here's the... Here's my wife, uh, all fueled up with alcohol, swerving a little bit. And uh, she doesn't hit. Thank God she doesn't hit these people head on. All she does is cross the double yellows enough for this woman to react and send her and her family into the gutter and destroys the car. Everyone's safe, but the car is a total mess. And uh, my wife keeps on driving. She knows what she did is wrong. No one can see. It was a dark road. She comes home. She doesn't tell me. No skin off her back, and this family is greatly affected. Now, of course, that story usually ends up worse. Sometimes it doesn't end up at all. We all are guilty of ingesting alcohol and, and driving in the illegal limit, whatever that is. You can, I believe nowadays, if you have a beer and you drive, you are arrestable or something like that. So, no, I'm not finger pointing. No, I'm not trying to hurt your feelings. I'm just trying to say these realities are things that we've accepted. We accept this. So now I love my woman so much, and I'm so lonely and sad because she's not here anymore. There's a new person here, and that person is alcohol-drenched. And um, she's cool um, sometimes, and it's okay, but uh, she doesn't remember anything. Every time we have moments together, she doesn't remember. Everything we talk about, she can't recall. She's wondering why our, um, our second car is getting repossessed even though for the last year I've told her that we need to figure out a way to pay for it. She doesn't remember anything because she's burned through her memory with a chemical, and that's not the only chemical that does it. So every day she gets to start anew. Uh, the trauma and stress from the day before that we were carrying together is now just my trauma and stress And because she's going to wake up, and because of the chemical after 20 years or so, it, it actually pickles you. It will pickle you. And again, the government doesn't want to tell you this. They're not going to say that it kills brain cells. They're going to say that marijuana kills brain cells. That's why it's federally illegal. They're not going to tell you the truth about 
alcohol. It actually kills brain cells. It makes you dumb. I'm sorry, but it does. And I could prove it with my relationships. What is dumb? Well, it doesn't mean you'll be less manipulative or less cunning. You could definitely, you know, but you cannot maintain the the average um, mental capacity that you did in the last decade or two because it is removing a lot of, of your thinking. Now, that's what gets me sad. You see, this is why when you love people who are diehards for alcohol, you know that you are not on the list of, of friendship. You're not in the top two. And uh, you have to understand that. And this that game is so... See, that's why I'm trying to do a one-on-one uh, drug podcast. So you could see... And of course, every drug will do this to a loved one. But here we are in a relationship, and alcohol is just cooler. It's cooler than your husband. It's cooler than your kids. It's cooler than your job. But really really to get down to the basis of everything that we know to be true it isn't it is not anything i just said it's just that that's the easy way to go and over and over again over and over over and over we learn these lessons repeatedly and because of that we feel so much pain and that's kind of why i'm making these podcasts because I love a lot of people. I've loved children, and I've loved um, my students, and I've loved my nephews and nieces, and my brothers, and my relatives, and my friends, and, you know. And often, when the alcohol is chosen as the leader, um, I, I have to just kind of move on and go elsewhere so that, so that the pain doesn't become too bad, you know. And it's, you just kind of watch. Um, I've found one of the most amazing um, explanations and the most amazing declarations of addiction and the beauty of human compassion and what it really means to to allow and to love someone and to watch them fall into the abyss, which we all will at some point with some habit, and to to see them as fragile and lovable and beautiful even though the world will distort all those, even though they'll lose their job and go to jail and the, the, the government provides the alcohol, but they sure as hell will penalize you for biting on all the, all the gimmicks that they put out. It's a strange phenomena. I'm going to introduce you for the end of this podcast to Gabor Mate, Dr. maybe Gabor. I'm, I'm, I'm so moved by this man that I'm sending this clip to everyone. It doesn't even matter if they have... Uh, problems with chemicals. I just think that if we loved our addicts and we loved our hurting people more, including all kinds, we could we could put an end to uh, chasing and, and chasing and running from our demons. So enjoy this clip. I don't think I'll play the whole thing, but it'll take us out. Once again, ladies and gentlemen, I am Greg Colossal, and you're listening to The New World. Night of Vancouver, British Columbia is one of the world's ground zeros for addiction and that in a few square block radius we have thousands of people injecting inhaling and ingesting drugs of all kinds and paying dearly for it these people are often outside the law certainly beset by many medical problems due to injection drug use including psychosis including hiv including hepatitis c cancers they die of overdoses this is trench warfare, and the people that are the frontline soldiers dying from it are the people affected by addiction. So that's why I worked for 12 years. And um, 
what I learned could be summed up really very uh, briefly by saying that addiction is not a choice that anybody makes, it's not a moral failure, it's not an ethical lapse, it's not a weakness of character, it's not a failure of will, which is how our society depicts addiction, nor is it an inherited brain disease, which is how the medical tendency is to see it. What it actually is, it's a response to human suffering. And all these people that I worked with had been severely traumatized as children. All the women had been sexually abused, all the men had been uh, traumatized, some of them sexually, physically, emotionally neglected. And not only is that my perspective, it's also what the scientific and research literature shows. So addiction then is actually, rather than being a disease as such or a human choice, it actually is it's an attempt to escape suffering temporarily. By the time I, I went to work there, I had already been in family practice for 20 years, I'd seen a lot, and I was quite attuned to the impact of early childhood experiences on adult psychology and adult brain physiology. But I just hadn't seen the depth and the degree until I went to work down there. So really it dramatized and confirmed for me, made it very palpable how addictions are a response to suffering and that what people need in response to addiction is not judgment and not simply symptom control, they need to be helped to heal from their trauma, because it is all about trauma. Right this moment, there is... Right there, right at that point, I was going to um, stop it, and I kind of got that ad going. So um, again, ladies and gentlemen, this is a episode about alcohol. I'm not sure if it was helpful. I do want you to uh, kind of see it in a different way. I think I think we've got to be kinder to ourselves when it comes to it, um, when it comes to all kinds of reoccurring patterns that are almost impossible to break, you know? And uh, I think when we don't do that, we just hurt ourselves and we hurt the people we love over and over and over again. And we don't need to do that. So ladies and gentlemen, um, on behalf of myself, I'd like to say thank you for tuning in to The New World. I'm Greg Colossal, and we'll see you around.